Listen, when Martin Luther declared that salvation was simply by faith alone, he became an enemy of the church. This was in the 1500s. Well, not only Luther, uh, Martin Luther, but his friends. He had a friend by the name of John Brins. John Brins, because he stood for faith alone in Christ alone and that the Bible was God's word, he was hunted by King Charles of Spain. They wanted to kill him. So one time he ran and he got into a little village and he got up into somebody's barn and he had a loaf of bread and he said, I'm going to stay there. And he stayed there for 14 days. But, he, but somebody could say, well, how could bread last that long? Well, it didn't. But this is the weirdest thing. Every morning, a chicken would come up to the loft and lay an egg and walk away. And, and so he had an egg. And so he ate this egg, did all this for 14 days. On the 15th day, no chicken. And he thought, oh, no. And they found out that the, the kings, King Charles of Spain, all his soldiers, they'd left, and he was now safe. So he thought, golly, God provided for him. When we look at the life of Elijah, God does the same thing for Elijah. He says, Elijah, go down to this brook. And he goes to this brook, and he says, stay there, and I will use the ravens to feed you. And we're going to see it as we look at our passage this morning. There's an Old Testament passage that says, I've been old and gray, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. God always provides. Let me give you the passage this morning. We're going to look at 17.1, of course, where Elijah confronts Ahab. That's what we've been seeing. And then he's going to go to the brook. And that's chapter 17, verses 2, basically 2 through 7, 2 through 6, that little part. We're going to see what happens. And so we, last time, we're seeing this confrontation, and we're looking at the character of Elijah. Now, look at chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, he said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, is, behold whom I stand, sure there will be neither dew nor rain these years. He didn't say how long, but he says these years, except by my word. We know it was three and a half years because the gospel, book of James tells us that it was three and a half years. When we look at this man, we see that he goes before the king, and we see that it, we talked about this last time, so I'm going to go very, very quickly through this first part. But he was a man of courage, a man of prayer, a man of faith and a man of obedience. He was a man of courage to go stand before the king. He was a man of prayer to pray and stop the rain. He was a man of faith because he took God at his word. God said it wouldn't rain, so he said it's not going to rain. And then he was a man of obedience, and that's what we're really going to see this morning because he did what God said. So let's stop for just a second and think about how, how, how he was a man of courage. Look at chapter 17, 1. Elijah went to Ahab and says, as the Lord lives, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, by whom, whom I stand. And we talked about it last week, but I want you to realize this. He stood before God and he says, as the Lord lives, as the God of Israel, I stand. He stood for the God. And let me tell you something. Do we stand for God in our fallen culture? Or do we just kind of don't say anything at all? It is easy not to do anything. It is easy to be quiet. It is easy to just kind of go with the flow. But there's going to have to take a time when the believers stand and say, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. That's what we're going to have to do. And, and we see that Elijah, it says, as the, the, God, the Lord, the God of Israel. I love that, that he calls him the Lord, L-O-R-D. If you notice, there are all four capital letters. That's Y-H-W-H. That's the personal name of God. He calls him the God of Israel. Notice, Elijah, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H is my God. That's what his name means. And he says, the God of Israel. Now, Ahab was not worshiping the God of Israel. Ahab was a Jewish person who was supposed to worship the God of Israel, but he had married Jezebel, and uh, she, was not, she was not Jewish, and she brought Baal, the god Baal. She was the Sidonians, and she brought the god Baal in, and he's worshiping Baal. 
uh, all the name Baal means is God. That's what it is. It's just another, it's just a name for God. And so they're worshiping God. I love it uh, when he says, they're worshiping a false God, of course, when he says, I stand. This is whom I stand. There'll be no rain except by my word. Now, that's pretty strong. He basically says, it's not going to rain till I say it's going to rain. And what we saw, if, we, if you remember the study, he, he, uh, for three and a half years it didn't rain. And then when God told him to, it's going to rain, he, he's praying for the rain and nothing's happening. He keeps sending this guy out and saying, look at the sky. Do you see anything? The guy comes back and says nothing. And it like six or seven times. And on the last time he sent him out, he said, I see this cloud. It's about the big as a man's hand. That's what I see. And then, of course, from then it became a huge storm. And so he says, until, until I say the right words, it's not going to rain. Ahab had been worshiping the god Baal. Baal was the god who controlled the rain, by the way. Baal was the god of the skies. They believed Baal caused the weather. So what did God do? He stopped the weather. The second thing we saw was Elijah was a man of prayer, and that, that uh, we realized that what he did is he prayed. His message was based on prayer. He prayed that there would be no rain, and there wasn't any rain. In fact, when you go to the uh, James 17, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly. It would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. He did exactly. He prayed. He was a man of prayer. He prayed it wouldn't rain. It, wouldn't, it didn't rain. He, of course, took God at his word on that. I love this. Most of you know who J. Vernon McGee is. He used to teach through the Bible radio. J. Vernon McGee said, this roughly pad messenger gave the king the weather report, and he did. He came to the king and said, not going to rain. It's not going to rain until I say that it rains. We're going to see later on that, it, that Ahab calls Elijah the troubler of Israel. In other words, he's saying, Elijah, you're causing all the trouble. But Elijah says, no, 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 you're causing all the trouble, not me. I represent God. And so it's very, very powerful. So he was a man of courage, a man of prayer. He was also a man of faith, which he trusted God. He took God at his word. When God said, go to Ahab and tell him there's not going to be rain, he went to Ahab and told him there wasn't going to be rain. In fact, notice he says, there will be neither rain nor dew, dew nor rain for these years. Roy Zook, who was one of my, past, uh, one of my professors at Dallas Seminary, said, this was a contest between the true God, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, and Baal, the false God. And that, that's what we see all the way through in Elijah's life. He is standing for truth against the falseness. We live in a world that has turned everything upside down. And what we say is right, they say is wrong. And what we say is wrong, they say is right. And are we standing for what's right? I mean, this is a contest between we live in a fallen culture that but we say there is a true God and there are things right and wrong and this is how we live and we live in a culture that says there is no God and everybody does what, what's right in their own eyes and who are you to tell us anything? That's the culture we live in. And uh, it, it's powerful, powerful, powerful. The, the, so he's a man of courage, a man of prayer, a man of trust. And then Elijah was a man of obedience. I, I love this because he always did what God wanted him to do. Uh, and, and this powerful, look at, uh, look at verse uh, two, it says, the word of the Lord came to him saying, now think about that, uh, here's something I want to ask you, because we read that all the time, we'll read in the Old Testament, say the word of the Lord came to Moses, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the word of the Lord came to somebody, how did the word of the Lord come to him? Stop for a minute and think about it, how did the word of the Lord come to him? I don't know. Did it just come? Did, did a voice come? Did there was an appearance of something? Sometimes the Bible will tell us an angel appeared and gave him a message or something. It'll say sometimes that the Lord appeared to Moses and said, how did the Lord appear to Moses? It, it doesn't really tell us. 
It just says here, and the word of the Lord came to him saying, go away from here, turn eastward, hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. So he tells him to go. Now, I want you to remember this to the brook Cherith, if you remember the map. Now, Ahab is the king of, of Israel. The capital is at Samaria. So this is Israel. goes up to about right here. So this is, northern, this is the northern empire, Israel. He's from Tishbe. Uh, that's why he's called Elijah the Tishbite. He left. He went across the river, and he went to Samaria, and he confronted the king. After confronting the king, the king says, I want you to leave, go back across to this brook. There's a brook right there called the brook Kirith, or Kirith brook. Sometimes it's with a C, sometimes with a K, because of the way the Hebrew letters are. And so sometimes you'll see it starting with a C, sometimes you'll see it starting with a K. And so he's going to stay there. You know he's going to stay there for a while, and then he's going to go way north to Zarephath, which is where there's a widow there. We're going to see that next week. But that's not even in Israel. This is Jews. These are not Jews. He's going to leave and go up there. But now he's going by this brook brook, by this little brook out. And you'd think, okay, because Ahab, from this point on, Ahab's looking for him. Ahab wants to kill him. Ahab, from this point on, after it stops raining, because at first I'm sure he just laughed and said, you're not going to stop the rain, and suddenly it doesn't rain, and a week goes by, and two weeks go by, and a month go by, and two months go by, and three months, and all of a sudden there's no rain anywhere, and Ahab is upset about this, so he's looking. He's looking to find Elijah to kill him, and Elijah goes to this little brook, and is there. Now watch what God does. It says, verse 3, go away from here and turn eastward, go across the river basically, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan, which it, it is. It is east of the, the Jordan River. It's over here, and it's Cherith, and he says, hide yourself. He didn't say, go set up camp. He says, go hide yourself. So he's getting off by himself, and so nobody can find him. This is on the east side of the Jordan. And, and here's the question that I would have, and you would have too, and here's the question probably Elijah has. If the rain is going to stop, how am I going to survive? I mean, where are we going to get water? I mean, when this drought comes and it stops, how are people going to live? And it's not going to just affect everybody else. It's going to affect Elijah too. So watch what he does. Verse 4, it says, It shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I have commanded, watch, I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. Now, he says, you're going to go, and that's how you're going to drink. This little brook is going to have water in it, and that's how you're going to drink during the drought. And I've also commanded. Now, notice what he says. I've commanded the birds. It's like God said, okay, birds, go do this. And the birds go do it. Does God command everything? Does he, think about when, Jonah, when, when, the, when the, Jonah was in the boat and they all said, why is this big storm? And he finally tells them that it's because I'm running away from God. And they said, oh, what are we going to do? And he said, if you'll just throw me in the ocean, it'll all stop for you. And they didn't want to do it, but they finally did. And then it says, and God provided, God made basically a fish to come up and swim. God controls everything. God is the sovereign ruler of all things, and we can trust him in every aspect of everything because he's working in all these things. Look what he says. I have commanded the ravens to provide. We'll talk more about that in a minute. We have seen already the public appearance of Elijah. Now, remember I brought this up last time that we have no idea of his background. It doesn't tell mom and daddy. It doesn't tell anything about him. All of a sudden, he just appears on the scene, and now God tells him to go hide at the brook. We're about to see the private experience. See, in the public is where you do things, the big things. Private is where God works. 
And in our lives, it's the way it is. I want you to realize this, that sometimes you get to do public things. Sometimes you get to lead people to Christ. Sometimes you get to do a Bible study. Sometimes you get to work somewhere. Sometimes you get to do something. But that's usually the service part. Where does the training part come in? That's in the private part. And we're going to see that God is preparing Elijah because his, his, his big statement is not just to go before the king. He's got a whole bunch of things to do. Three things stand out to me. When, when you look at this passage, three things stand out to me of what God is doing. First of all, God was the protector. He told him, go and hide. I'm going to protect you. They will not be able to get you. And, and remember, I told you that Ahab blamed Elijah for everything that was happening. He was the one troubling Israel. And we're going to see thereafter. When you get over to chapter 18, we're going to get chapter 18, not too long from now. When you get over there, we're going to see that they're hunting for Elijah. They're going all over the place trying to find him so they can kill him. God is the protector. Psalm 27, the Lord is my strength and my shield. Who shall I fear? Book of Hebrews says, the Lord will never leave me or forsake me. What shall I fear? Are you afraid? There are people afraid today. They're afraid to walk out of their house. They're afraid they're going to get a disease and die from it. They're so afraid that they can't do anything. We live in a, in a nation and a world full of fear because nobody knows what's going to happen. And the Lord is our strength and our shield. Who should you fear? Not to be afraid of anything. The Lord is our strength and shield. And so God says, hey, go hide there. And <laughs> don't worry, I'm protecting you. The second thing he says, God is his provision. God will provide even during the drought. Notice again, I've got put these two verses, verse 4 and verse 9. Look at verse 4 again. It is the jewel drink of the brook. That's how he's going to provide. And I have commanded the ravens, notice, to provide for you. Birds are going to provide. And then if you go down to verse 9, look what he says. Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. By the way, when he meets the widow, she doesn't even know she's supposed to do it yet. He's commanded the widow to take care of him. She doesn't even know it. In fact, she sees him. She says, this is my last meal. I don't even know who you are. But well, there's a third thing, which I think is so important, and is that God was his preparer. God's getting him ready. He's preparing Elijah for what is coming because the future ministry of Elijah is not just to go talk to, Eli to Ahab. It is to meet and and confront the 450 prophets of Baal. He's got that ministry, and God is preparing him. See, he's, got, he's, he's going to say, you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust me by the brook. You're going to have to trust me by, with the widow, and you're going to have to trust me when you stand before the prophets of Baal. God does this. Think about this. Moses, 40 years old, thinks that it's he is the one to lead the nation of Israel. And the Jews say, are you going to kill us like you killed somebody else yesterday? He has to run for his life. And 40 years, he's on the backside of the desert, God preparing him to shepherd because he's going to shepherd the nation of Israel. You look at Joseph. Joseph, a young man, sold off into prison. Every time he turns around, he's a slave, and then he gets thrown into prison. Had, I mean, it's over and over and over. You'd think Joseph would say, why is this happening to me? In fact, when those guys got out of the prison and the, the, the dreams came through just like he told them, they, they didn't even remember him. God was preparing him because he's going to raise him up to be number two in Egypt. Paul, three years in the wilderness. You know, though, if you read Galatians carefully, Paul trusted Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, went in, a guy named Ananias helped him get his sight back, and then Paul disappeared 
in the wilderness of Arabia for three years, and Paul actually says that he was taught by Jesus Christ. When you ask Paul, where did you get your message? He said, I didn't get it from men. I didn't get it from angels. I was taught directly by Jesus Christ. God was preparing him. And then we see Christ for 30 years. Basically, do you think about it? For 30 years, there's not much about him, except when he's 12 years old and he's a little boy. And then suddenly at 30 years old, Jesus begins the ministry. And the very first part of the ministry is to be gone out in the wilderness for 40 days to trust God. God prepares his servants. And what we see is God is protecting and providing and preparing his servants. And that's what he's doing for Elijah. That's what he's doing for Elijah. He's protecting him. So look again at verse 5. It says, so he did it. And and see, we're seeing his obedience. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. So he goes down there and does exactly what God told him to do. Now, to be honest, think about it. There's not going to be any rain. And he actually tells you birds are going to come feed you. And you could actually say, I'm not not really big into bird seed, you know? I mean, but is it going to be, what is he going to bring? What are they going to bring him? What's he going to eat? Those kind of things is pretty amazing. So let's look at verse 6. The ravens, look, brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he would drink from the brook. Think about this. This is his obedience. The ravens came, bread and meat. Listen, he looks up and a bird comes flapping in, sits down, and there's a piece of bread in his mouth, and he lets it go and flies away. And another bird comes flapping in, and there's some meat there, and flies away. They provided. Hatcher uh, found this slide and, and it sent it to me, and it's a little bit hard to see, but that's Elijah there, and there's the bird up there. Probably come saying, what do, you, what do you want to eat tonight? You know, what do you want to eat tonight? How long was he there? Some say he may have been there over a year. Maybe even longer, because we don't know exactly, but I want you to notice something. Verse 6 again, the ravens, brought, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he would drink from the brook. It happened after a while that the brook dried up. Why? Because there's no rain in the land. I mean, it's going to take a while for the drought to come that there's just no water anywhere, and this brook that he's been by all this time suddenly stops flowing, and there's no water there. The brook dried up, and he's going to have to trust God, because he could say, because um, at this point, all he knows, because I read the verses down a while ago, but all he knows is, go to the brook, wait there, and I'll provide for you, because I'm going to have the ravens come, and so far, all this time, ravens have come every morning and every evening, and they brought him, food, they brought him bread and meat, and he's had the brook, but now the brook dries up, and so what do you do when the brook dries up? I mean... You, you can go without food for a while, but you can't go without water very long. And the whole nation is in a big drought. So look what it says. And by the way, he's going to have to trust God because he went to the brook not knowing what to do. He's going to go to the widow not knowing exactly what's going to happen. He's going to go back to Ahab not knowing what's going to happen. And he goes to Mount Carmel not knowing what's going to happen. He just knows that God's in control and he's going to trust God as he goes. And this is when... Uh, 
This is when in the trials of our life, we ought to end up trusting him because everything's not always good. And that, listen to this, Ironside, I quoted Ironside in the first service. Ironside said, there is no evidence of God's displeasure with Elijah. Listen, sometimes things go wrong in our lives and, we, and people say, like the book of Job, wonder what you did wrong. Wonder what you've got done that, that, that allowed this bad stuff to happen to you. And some people could say, well, maybe Elijah's not doing very good because God let the water run out. No. In fact, when you read the, the book of Peter, Peter says, do not be surprised by the trials that come into your life. When you stand for Jesus Christ, he said, there'll be rewards. James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith works patience. There are going to be times that trials come into our lives, and what are they for? To trust him. Elijah had to trust God to go to the brook. He had to trust God that the birds would come. He had to trust God that when the, the water dries up, he's got to trust God that God knows what he's doing. And, and so it says, it happened that a while that the brook dried up. There was no rain in the land. Now, we're going to stop there, but if you read on, the word of the Lord came to him and told him to go somewhere else. You know, God is in control in every one of our lives. Listen, there's ups and downs, there's fears, there's, I mean, the world is, the world is different now than it's ever been, that, I could, that I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like it, a worldwide epidemic, pandemic, people are scared, people are wearing masks everywhere, people can't do anything, things are all being shut down all over the world. I mean, everybody's scared to death. Are we going to trust God or not? Are we going to live for him or not? And the old saying is, it's better to be, be better the storm with Christ than smooth waters without him. We just got to trust him. That's what we got to do. So let me give you, I know time is just about up, so let me give you some applications. First one is this. Let's be people who stand for God now. I mean, this is it. This is the time. We all know. In fact, most of us who know how we look at the Bible, we know that the next event is what? What is the next event that God's going to do? The rapture. He's going to come take us out, right? It could be, it could be now. It could be any time. And so what are we supposed to do? Now, of course, course it could be another thousand years because it doesn't tell us anything. But Jesus could come at any time. So what should we be doing while we're waiting for Jesus Christ to come get us? We should stand strong for Christ. We need to be people of courage to, to believe the Word of God and to stand strong. We need to be people of prayer. We need to keep lifting up our request and be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let our request be made known to God. And we need to be people of faith and trust God that whatever His Word says, He says, what, I'll never leave you or forsake you? What should you what? What should you fear? You don't have to be afraid of anything. You don't have to be afraid of anything. And then we've got to be people of obedience, and that means live by the Scripture, and that means live out who we are in a fallen world, live in such a way that we shine as lights, that we are lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, that we shine as lights in the world. As he says, let your light shine so that the world can see it, and they would glorify your Father that is in heaven. That's what we want to be. We want to be people who stand, and we've got to do it now. Because it is not going to get easier. In fact, it's going to get a lot worse. I mean, I can see our country going into great turmoil in about two or three months. And you may be feeling the same way. Are you going to trust God or not? What are we going to do? Are we going to stand strong or not? I mean, there are churches in California, they're shutting them down. They're not doing that here. Praise the Lord. They're shutting them down. Finding them $15,000, $5,000 every time they meet. It's ridiculous. So what are we going to do? We're going to stand or not? The second thing is let's realize that God is faithful in all of the times in our lives, both the public and the private. See, the public, we're, we're to stand there. We're to, we're to stand there. But in the private, just remember what he's doing. And, and I like to, to look at it this way. He's protecting us. He is providing for us. And he is preparing us. 
And there's no telling how God is going to use each one of you in this room. In the weeks, in the months to come, there's no telling because he's used, right now most of us are in private. We're, we're back. God is working in our lives. He's preparing us to get ready to stand strong for him. And there's no telling what's going to happen. So remember, God is in control and he's with us in every event.